0: This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Our second reading this morning is from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. You'll find it on page 557 in your pew Bibles. Proverbs 12, verse 12. Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 12, the wicked covet the proceeds of wickedness, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. The wicked covet the proceeds of wickedness, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you open our ears to hear your word this morning? Our hearts to understand, and our wills to say yes, Jesus. Amen. Many of us have Jesus. Amen. Many of us have grown up learning proverbs from our parents or our grandparents or our teachers. Some of them I think you could probably help me say. The early bird gets the, don't count your chickens before they hatch. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. That's right, you guys are wise already. These proverbs we have grown up with are brief, pithy statements that are easy to remember and actually do impact our lives. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament is quite similar. In the center section of the book from chapters 10 through most of chapter 22, we find 375 of these pithy sayings. These are called mashal in Hebrew, and they're just two lines. Each one is just two lines. The first line makes a statement. The line makes a comment about that statement or says the same thing in a different way. They're intended to make you think, to make you ponder to make you learn what it means to be wise. A large number of these sayings in Proverbs contrast the wicked with the righteous, including our passage today, Proverbs 12:12. 12, 12. The goal was to help you, you discern what it looks like to live a life of righteousness instead of a life of wickedness. Now you may be thinking. I know I have some issues in my life, but I'm not wicked. I'm not evil. But before you decide to mentally check out or take that much-needed nap in this delightfully warm sanctuary, I beg you to please remember with me. Remember Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Remember with me Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is deceitful above all else. It is perverse. Who can even understand it? And remember from our own catechism, we are slaves to the sin of which we are guilty and helpless to save ourselves. Our human propensity toward sin is why it's important for us to know the difference between living wickedness and living righteousness. So this morning, as we look at Proverbs 12:12. 12, 12, We're going to look at what it means, how we see it lived out in the New Testament, and what it means for our lives today. The wicked covet the proceeds of wickedness, but the root of the righteous bears fruit. A closer reading of the words proceeds of wickedness could also be translated a mountain stronghold. This was a place where bandits and thieves would put their plunder, It was an impenetrable fortress of things that had been stolen. This picture of a stronghold where people take and hoard things is contrasted in this proverb with a root that bears fruit. The picture of a root would invoke images of vineyards and olive groves. These are healthy roots that produce healthy fruit. So the phrase that we actually translate bears fruit is just one word in Hebrew that means give. The root of righteous gives. The root gives. Its very nature is generosity. The root of the fruit is generosity. This week or weeks ago for Christmas, my family and I drove to Ithaca, New York, where my husband, Charles, and I are from. And part of that uh, central part of New York state is known for its apple orchards, its dairy farms, And it's vineyards. As we drove past vineyard after vineyard, I observed that the roots of the vines were these gnarly, ugly, stubbly, old-looking things with just a couple of scraggly branches sticking out. They're not pretty, and they don't look like they're going to produce much of anything. But it's actually, they're trimmed back like that on purpose, because at the end of the growing season, after all the fruit has been gathered in, they cut off almost all of the branches. So that in the spring, all of the energy in that root can burst forth into new vines that produce new fruit. As we study the passage this morning, I want you to keep that image. I want you to keep that image of that root in your mind. The source of the fruit, the foundation. The fruit comes from generosity. The root of the fruit is generosity. Proverbs 12:12 provides us with a picture that helps us define wicked living and righteous living. The wicked covet. They take and they hoard. I think we should pause here for a moment and ask ourselves, has this ever been true of me? Has it ever been true of you? The author of this proverb does not mean for us to only think about money or possessions, but to think about other parts of our lives. Have you ever taken someone else's joy? Have you ever hoarded your gifts? Have you ever someone else's gifts or joys? Have we kept the good news of Jesus Christ in our stronghold? locked away for us to enjoy alone. This, beloved, is a picture of wickedness, self-focus, self-worship, selfishness. Thankfully, this proverb also gives us a picture of what the righteous do in contrast with the wicked. Instead of selfishly hoarding, they give generously. The root of the fruit is generosity. To help us understand this principle, I want us to look back at our first reading from today from the Gospel of John. So please turn back in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, starting in verse 23, to on page 83 of the New Testament in your pew Bibles. This is the story of the woman at the well. We're looking at the end of this story in order to see the root of the fruit of this woman's life. But because the story is a bit long, I'm going to give you a recap of the beginning, so we don't have to read the whole thing. In this story, Jesus has decided he has to go through the region of Samaria. Now, Jewish people generally hated and avoided Samaritans because years and years and years ago, the Samaritan people were Jewish and they had intermarried with other people, with other nations, and so Jews didn't consider them to be purely Jewish anymore. But Jesus, by purposely choosing to walk through the region of Samaria, he redefined what was acceptable behavior for a religious Jew. So as he and his disciples are walking, they stop in the middle of the heat of the day to rest. Jesus sits down by a well, and the disciples walk into town to get some food. The disciples walk into town to get some food. A woman comes out of the town to get water, and Jesus speaks to her. Now, it was actually considered inappropriate behavior for a Jewish man to speak to a Jewish woman in public. But it was unheard of for a Jewish man to speak to a not-Jewish woman ever. But as you know, Jesus has already been redefining what is acceptable behavior, so he talks to this woman. The conversation turns from please give me a drink to matters of theology and worship. And this is where we pick the story up in verse 23. The hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking to a woman. But no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking to her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. And then we're going to skip down to verse 39. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. We have heard it for ourselves. We know that this truly is the Savior of the world. The woman in this story did not have much to give. In the beginning of the story, you can read that she had been married five times. She came to the well at a time of day when no one else normally would have been there. It seems like her life probably wasn't very easy or very fruitful. But Jesus gives her tremendously beautiful gifts. He treats her with dignity by speaking to her. He gives her honor by engaging with her in theological conversation. And he offers her something that would change her life forever. He is the Messiah the woman immediately takes these things Jesus has given her and she gives them away to the people in her village. Her generosity is repeated by the people in the village who invite Jesus to stay with them. Many more in the village believe because of his word. The fruit of this story is salvation that came to an entire village. The root of the fruit was the woman's generosity. She gave what she had, and many people encountered Jesus and believed in him. I want us to contrast for a moment the woman's behavior with the disciples' behavior. The disciples return to Jesus with food, and they're confused that he's speaking to a woman. They don't follow his example and join in the conversation. When she leaves, they beg Jesus to just eat something. And he responds with this amazing statement. Can't you see that the harvest is ready? In other words, he's saying, you can't see past the end of your nose. Stop being a belly button gazer. Look up. Look out. It's time to reap some fruit. The disciples in this story, are much more like the wicked than the righteous from Proverbs 12:12, 12, 12. The wicked take and the righteous give. So we should pause again. The disciples were constantly with Jesus. What does this have to say about me? If the disciples couldn't grasp what it means to live like Jesus, what it means to be righteous at that time, can I do any better? I don't have that same experience I had of being with Jesus every day, walking with him. It took the disciples a long time to figure out how to be like Jesus. But the Samaritan woman, it only took moments for her to take the good news that she had received and share it with her neighbors. Because of her generosity, many came to faith. The root of her fruit was generosity. So now the question is, what about us? Do you see fruit in your life? Is generosity the root of your fruit? In the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, we see the beautiful picture of fruitful generosity. Her generosity was a direct response to Jesus' generosity. Jesus offered living water to her from a fountain that would never dry up. And what the woman did not know then, but we have the privilege of knowing now, is that Jesus didn't just give her a promise that he was the Messiah. Jesus eventually gave all that he had, his whole life, for her salvation. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but God in his great mercy and love sent Jesus to take upon himself all of our sin, all of the wrath that our sins deserve. So every time that I have been hateful or selfish, every time that I have worshipped myself or my own desires, every time that I have worshipped my own plans, Jesus took all of that selfishness upon himself and he paid the price for it on the cross. Perhaps this morning... You might feel like that old root with a just a couple scraggly branches sticking out. You might feel like there's not much hope for new life, that it's your winter time. Or you may feel that your time for fruitfulness is long past, and all you want to do now is just rest. You just want to hibernate and hoard what little you have left. But Jesus sees beyond that scraggly root to the fruit that he can bear through you, the new life that comes when his spirit resides in us. No matter how old or young you may be, Jesus sees fruitfulness in you. The root of his fruit is generosity. So when we say yes to Jesus when we say Jesus, when we say yes to him being lord of our lives when we say yes to living god's way then we become his fruit The generosity of God is Jesus on the cross Jesus gave up his life and we can be the fruit of his generosity Beloved the wicked take and the righteous give Jesus gave everything. What will you give is the root of your fruit generosity. Will you look up and look out and see the neighbors who have yet to hear the good news? Will you take what Jesus has given you and give it away to others? In just a moment, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as we take communion as we taste the bread and the reminders to us of the generosity of Jesus Christ to give himself so completely so that we could become part of God's family so this morning as the bread and the juice pass over your lips i invite you to pray no matter how long you've been following Jesus whether it's been from your birth or from just this morning or if you haven't decided yet you want to give your life to Him, I invite you to pray. Ask God to remove the sin-stained, selfish, hard heart. Cry out to God to instead give you a heart that is rooted in His heart, a heart rooted in generosity, I will be praying this crying out prayer, praying this crying out prayer this morning. And I invite you to pray it with me. Would you bow your heads? Lord Jesus, thank you for giving up everything you had for us. Thank you for showing us what it looks like to live a life of righteousness, a life of generosity. Lord, I ask that you would show us those places in our hearts that are hard, that are selfish. And God, would you grant us mercy and grace to become that root like you that generously gives. Lord, may the root of our fruit be generosity Thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.